Welcome everyone to Spirited Discussions. I am your host, Lachlan Watt, a passionate alcoholic and alcohol educator with years of experience in both the spirits and bar industries. Throughout this series, we are going to explore the history and production of some of our favorite vibations, and in each episode, I'll be joined by an incredibly experienced guest. Together, we will delve into a topic with all of the information that you need to understand why you enjoy what you're drinking, as well as some fun tidbits to share with your friends. I'm so looking forward to taking you on this journey to discover the wonderful world of alcohol. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Spirited Discussions. I'm here with my good friend, Cy Merchant, and today we are going to be exploring rum, the history of rum, how it's made, why it is so globally uh, famous for cocktails and all of these things. Um, Hi, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's no, a great it's, pleasure. it's always great to, to see you. It's been a little while since we've caught up, so this is going to be really, really fun for me. Before we get started, I'll get a little bit of your time in the industry. So do you want to explain where you've come from, where you're going? Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I'm originally from the south part of India. Yeah. Um, so my mom thought uh, I was smart enough and she put me in engineering. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly that didn't work out. So um, I just had to do something with my life. So I ended up in uh, New Zealand. Yeah. To, Went and did my hospitality and business management. Uh, started working part-time in a bar. Yeah. Um, as you know, what happens when you start working in a bar? You fall in love with um, everything so you do easy. there. You either, you either stick with it and enjoy it and love it for the rest of your life or you hate it and leave. Totally. Yeah. Um, lucky for me, um, I really enjoyed it. I loved the service side of things, meeting amazing people, and most importantly, uh, making cocktails and drinking rum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so with that... Where did that take you? Um, so I know, like for me personally, hospitality definitely changed a lot in my life. So yeah. I got the opportunity, um, you know, to make cocktails, meeting amazing people, like I said. Um, and one thing I really love is um, participating in cocktail competitions. Yeah. So I ended up doing quite a few of them. And um, I ended up uh, going to Venezuela. Uh, to participate for a global rum competition. Um, and that was for Diplomatico that rum? That was for Diplomatico rum. Uh, there were about 28 bartenders around the world who came in and we had the best time ever, as you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, don't ask me what I did, but uh, <laughs> I ended up winning the, <laughs> winning the competition. Um, since then, I got the opportunity to travel around the world, um, make cocktails, do events, talk about rum, um, especially Diplomatico, obviously they paid my bills. So. Yeah, got to. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and then and and then just um, uh, enjoyed the whole side um, about it. You know, especially as a button, I was saying to you earlier, um, you rarely get these opportunities um, to travel and um, experience the other side of things outside the bar. And yeah. so, yeah, um, it was probably one of the best opportunities I've ever had in my life. It is. And it, it is a rare opportunity to be able to travel for work in our, in our side of things, right? So something that is only offered to a very select few, which is very, very exciting and very rare. But, I mean, I've had that opportunity recently and it's just such a great thing to be involved in, isn't it? Nice. Where did you go? I went to London recently and then, well, I traveled to Tasmania every year and know scotland etc etc for for whiskey stuff you know well, it's you, always you you're extremely talented i'm not surprised <laughs> about that's coming from you <laughs> just getting old mate yeah. <laughs> so uh you now currently work for diplomatico yeah and uh you've been what worked for them for eight years now yeah so um I've been working with them for eight years. Two years was more of a part-time role mm-hmm. um, where I did uh, travel with them globally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest six years was a full-time role uh, based in Australia uh, from Melbourne. So we were traveling a lot across Asia Pacific, yeah. um, especially Australia, because um, it's one of a very um, good market for rum. Um, and specifically Diplomatico, it is a very successful brand for, yeah. for the Australian rum market. Yeah, people definitely, definitely love Diplomatico. And it's also because um, the rum is kind of uh, palatable and real easy to drink. Mm-hmm. None of the harsh edges. No. Uh, it goes down a treat. Yeah. yeah. I call it liquid candy. It is, <laughs> it's absolutely what it is. It was what, the first rum I fell in love with um, when I first started bartending. Uh, and obviously that was the 
the gateway for me into to understanding what rum is and the, the breadth of the industry as well. It is such a broad and varied industry. Yeah, definitely. Especially the category of rum. Um, you know, um, lots of people tend to try rum. Um, there's so many different rums. And, yeah. You know, uh, uh, what I would say is you just have to try different rums. There's a rum for every palate. Um, what happens most of the time is um, uh, lots of people tend to drink cast strength rums, which is, you know, high on alcohol. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's for bartenders because, mm-hmm. you know, as in the industry, we tend to drink a lot of uh, straight alcohol. Um, and once you try um, a, any, any spirit which has a lot of uh, alcohol content in it, it's obviously mm-hmm. going to taste a little um, harsh or um, trying to get into understanding it is a little bit more different for the palate. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would recommend is um, uh, start off uh, rums which are lighter, um, around 38 to 42% mm-hmm. ABV. The, the, um, also those sweetened ones like spiced rums, etc., and then start to, to build on that. Totally. Um, and, and then slowly get into the you know higher uh, proof ones once your palate is accustomed to a bit of alcohol. <laughs> and we'll talk about the, the, the separation of a lot of these categories of rum because there are so many. And it is, a like I said, a broad and varied category. Well, I guess we'll start our episode like we do every episode with a quick 60 second of our topic. And I'll get you to, you know maybe give me a little bit of a hard time or just, you know, make some fun of me if I'm getting something wrong or, you know, if I'm, I'm taking too much time. I've, I think I've only managed to do this once. It's, it's a tough to do such a broad history in 60 seconds. That is true. Yeah. I might time you on that if yeah. it's okay. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right. Tell me when I'm ready. And let's go. Well, the origins of rum date back to the 1650s in the West Indies when in Barbados, where they started to make a spirit from rum, uh, from sugarcane, I should say, and trade it with with people in Africa for slaves, which is not that great. And then uh, this became really prominent in New England, which is the the northwest, uh, eastern coast of the Americas, and we start to see uh, that really become popularized as a as a consuming spirit, and it spreads throughout the Caribbean from Barbados up all the way up through Jamaica, et cetera. But it's mostly driven by the colonizing countries of those those islands. So the French, Spanish, and British are uh, most important as to how that style derives. But nowadays we start to see rum as a cocktail spirit. It is driven by the tiki culture from the 1950s. And we see all of these really exciting things happen in that space. We've got spiced rum now. We've got all of these incredible flavors, really broad that just make That's, it? I just made it. Yeah. Just made it. Yeah. Well, you can complete what you were saying though. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, the last 20, 30 years has seen a massive resurgence in rum and the excitement behind it, especially with some of these really cool, strange producers that normally get blended together rather than, and we get to see them independently now, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's really huge, right? Like we were saying earlier, the category of rum, um, there's no specific rules or regulations as to how you can make your rum. Um, it's just got to come from a sugar product. Yeah. Um, as long as it's coming from uh, sugarcane juice um, or sugarcane molasses, you can call it a rum. Uh, some countries have um, a law or a legality where the rum has to be aged at least for two years to kind of specify yeah. as a rum on the label. Australia is one of those countries. Australia is one <laughs> of them. Um, but, you know, uh, with rum, the most important thing is it's, one of the most sustainable spirits because it's made from, um, you know, it's fresh a, juice or a byproduct. Yep, and it's a it's a grass effectively sugarcane as well, so it grows quite quickly. Oh, too. It, look, sugarcane is abundantly available all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lo- it loves the sun um, and a lot of humid conditions. Um, obviously, rum is a party drink. <laughs> it is, and. Um, Funny enough, um, I was just taking a taxi to go to one of the bars and um, I told the driver, you know, um, I work for a rum company. He goes to me, do you know what rum stands for? And I took a second and I'm like, I should know this. Rum bullion. Rum bullion and also regular used medicine. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just doing my bunch of research and where the names came from and um, just the history of rum is Pretty spectacular. It is. And one of the things I, I neglected to mention during that brief history is its importance to to 
some of the terminology we use just as a whole in booze, like things like grog, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, its importance to the, the British Navy for a long time, where the British Navy used it as uh, a way to uh, pay their sailors, yeah. but also to um, keep them from having illnesses and illnesses, things like yeah. that while they're on the ocean all the time. Yeah, they used to give them a tot, which was yeah. um, about... Uh, it was about 90 mil, um, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it's about two and a half shots. Um, and they would give them overproof rum, which is obviously would between, high on... Would have been between 60 and 80% yeah, sometimes. Very high in ABV. And um, the way they would uh, know it was actually proper uh, rum was when they they started lighting it. it used to call gunpowder rum. Yeah, They used to take a bunch of gun, little bit of gunpowder um, and try and ignite it. So if the rum ignites, they know it's actually proper rum. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, uh, and also that that the whole concept of proof, right? The the proof strength, which is a an olden term, that proofing is done differently based on the gunpowder that was used. Yeah, that's right, and that's where proof actually originated from because if it ignite they're like okay this is the amount of alcohol this particular rum has and that's proof that it's proper ration given so that's to the sailors. 100 proof yep that's correct and uh so there's uh the british and the american proof because the americans were using french gunpowder and the british which was more refined uh so they needed less alcohol to light it yep that is correct yeah uh did you hear the story about um nelson's flight no. Um, so there was this officer in the Navy who was, you know, a lot of sailors kind of look up to him and so on. And um, during the, um, there was a fight and he passed away and they had to get his body to another port and um, they couldn't do it without preserving him. Uh, so what did they do? They Pour rum over him. They put him in a barrel of rum. Mm. And obviously the sailors uh, were thirsty and they started drinking rum off the barrel. Uh, so yeah, it has some uh, uh, crazy few little stories, and then um, this whole category originated where it's you know Nelson's blood. I thought it was a interesting story. But oh, it is. It yeah. is. It's quite grim. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, so what is it that uh, actually? What was your first experience with rum? Definitely not Nelson's blood. Um, no. <laughs> um, my experience actually um, was, I was, to be very honest, I was drinking a lot of uh, spice rum and coke as as a student. You know, I had no idea. Uh, I was just wanted to party. I would go and ask for a rum and coke. I had yeah. no idea what I was getting poured in my glass. To be very honest, it tasted delicious. It would have been. Um, and uh, as I started working uh, in bars, you know, as a cocktail bartender, just opened my eyes to the category of rum and how many different rums around and uh, started drinking rum straight. And just the flavor profile was amazing. Just amazing. And it expands so quickly, right? Once you start doing that, it just absolutely expands. I actually think my first experience was also a spiced rum. It would have been uh, Kraken. Kraken, yeah. Yeah, black rum. It's uh, <laughs> got to say it's a, it's a tasty drop. Luke. It is, yeah. it is. And it was definitely, it was rum and Coke. And that's what I was drinking as an 18-year-old. Yeah. You know, going out to pubs and bars and stuff, but yeah, it it once you have your palate expanded and you start going through that and getting interest in it, it does. Yeah, totally. And mm, there's there's nothing right or wrong. You know, no. it at, at end of the day, if you like the spirit or the rum you're drinking, yeah. and it works for you, no worries. If exactly. you want to mix it with anything, juice, Powerade, soft drinks, whatever, 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 <laughs> whatever ticks the box. Yeah. Um, it's just when you start exploring the categories and um, you want to discover it, I would highly recommend drinking it neat or a few drops of water. Yeah. That's when you start experiencing most of the flavors which come through as, a, as a seasoned drinker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to start off with, you know, um, uh, going through any rums which are um, usually from the Spanish style of rums. Yeah. Um, they tend to be a bit more on a sweeter side, um, lighter in ABV, like alcohol by volume. Um, it's a bit more easy on the palate, and then you can start experiencing more heavier style rums. Yeah, and uh, you've mentioned Spanish rum, so let's let's break some of these categories down because there are three main categories, really, of rum, which are Spanish, British, and French, right? And they're the, the colonizing countries of the, the Caribbean. 
Yeah, that's correct. So um, that's where most of the rum started originating from, like you mentioned. Um, Spanish was uh, one of the uh, main important yeah. um, style of rums. So usually in uh, Puerto Rico, Cuba, uh, Dominican Re Republic, all these um, kind of uh, countries started making Spanish. As well as South uh, America uh, countries as well. South American countries, I should say. Yeah, uh, started making them. Um, the base usually is molasses. Yep. So... What molasses is, is um, a byproduct of making um, sugar. Yeah. So you take a sh ripe sugar cane, you press it, the juice is extracted, you start heating the juice in order to produce sugar crystals. Mm -hmm. There's this thick gooey substance which is left over, which is basically molasses. Mm -hmm. Now these molasses tend to have certain amount of sugar present in them. Um, and what happens is they start adding a little bit of yeast. Um, yeast is a bacteria which loves eating sugar present yeah. in molasses. They um, dilute it with a little bit of water and they just let the yeast um, do its trick. Um, the yeast loves eating uh, sugar. The byproduct of that is basically alcohol. Alcohol and carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide, correct. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we've got, uh, uh, most of Spanish rums are matured as well. They, yeah. they very rarely uh, white spirit. Yes, correct. Um, so most of the um, Spanish style uh, tend to use uh, different stills as well in mm -hmm. order to make um, their rum. Uh, you could either use a column still or a pot still. Uh, the main difference is with a column still, you tend to produce continuous alcohol and very concentrated high alcohol. Yeah. Um, so if you taste that distillate, it tends to be uh, kind of a fruity. Um, quite light, quite light, delicate. Uh, yeah. Very, very tropical, uh, fruity, citrus, uh, high in ABV, but yep. very light on the palate. Yeah. And then with a, a lower ABV distillate, you end up with a, you know, a big fatty kind of oily, uh, dense, sweet, rich, but sometimes a bit funky kind of spirit. Yes, correct. That's usually when you use a pot still, you yep. tend to have this very textural, complex style of uh, distillate. Yeah. Which you get. And usually in Spanish rums, especially for Spanish rum companies, they tend to blend as well those spirits together to create a more cohesive spirit character you get the best of both worlds yeah. which is great yeah yeah, which is really exciting and then you've got british rums now british rum is one category that i'm personally really excited by but it can be very very intensive yeah so british rums english style of rums basically um if you're trying a rum which is from jamaica barbados guyana yeah. they tend to have a very complex uh, heavy style of uh, character um this again comes from molasses as well. Yeah. Um, so the characteristics usually will be, uh, it's bold, rich, full flavor, very robust. Um, you tend to drink these rums and they just stick on your palate and never want to go away. Yeah. They, they're they also usually fermented in a slightly different way as well. They're usually uh, Dunder Pit distilleries. Now, Dunder is a, um, Dunder Pit is a very interesting thing for, for us. And some people might find this quite challenging, but it is really interesting. So it's a, a it's a terminology that you use in American whiskey, like sour mashing, where you're adding a bit of a previous ferment to the current ferment to create a more habitable environment for your yeast, right? Which is, like you said, that organism that makes alcohol. Correct. But a dunder pit is usually in the back of the distillery. It's <laughs> dug into the ground. It's an earthen pit. Yeah. And, and you definitely like to uh, like the smell of uh, the ferment and yeah. the molasses and stuff. And it's the all, it's all the, the the waste product of the distillery goes into that. So whether it be the leftover pot ale or whatever you want to call it from the, the stills, uh, whatever fibrous content that you've got sitting around after fermentation, yeah. plus also there'll be organic matter falling in from outside of it. <laughs> Correct. And they also throw in some uh, sugarcane. Sugarcane pulp sugar and stuff. Pulp. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's been some that have been tested and they've had goats thrown <laughs> in there and chickens, <laughs> whole chickens and stuff. And it's just purely trying to create something unique to that distillery. Yeah, it's just um, some uh, different flavors which originate um you can you, sometimes you leave the whole dunder to ferment um um, it's called wild fermentation. Mm -hmm. So there's some bacteria which is in the air um, and they let it react with the sugars and it just starts producing different flavor compounds altogether. Yeah. Uh, most of the time uh, in rum production, they look for um, this particular um, compound or a component, which is ester. Um, 
everybody loved the smell. It, it smells like ripe bananas. Ripe bananas or uh, overripe pineapples, you know, that really sweet very pineapple. Very sweet pineapple, correct. Yeah. And sometimes can get a bit too, like very, very heavy and become very uh, farmyardy or, you know, very meaty. And it's all these ester profiles that come out of Dunder are absolutely incredible. Totally. Um, um, the Jamaican style especially, um, they love heavy ester rum. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've tried a bunch of Appleton Estate. Appleton, um, Hampton, Hampton. Uh, Long Pond. All the beautiful stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's personally my favorites, uh, Hampton and Long Pond oh. and Money Musk. Love what oh. they do. It's it's, uh, it's usually what people think rum is or especially seasoned drinkers. Yeah. That kind of, that style of rum is definitely Delicious. It is, especially it's had a lot of a resurgence within the last 10 years and people are just obsessed with it at the moment, which is really exciting. And then finally, we've got French rum. French rum. French which rum. is also kind of what we're drinking right now, which is a Mauritian rum, which is a, a French style. Uh, French style is, again, super interesting. So um, usually Martinique, Haiti, uh, Guadeloupe. Um, these countries produce some of the best uh, French style of um, rums. So the main difference with uh, French style is uh, instead of using molasses, they uh, use fresh sugarcane juice. Yeah. Um, so most of the characteristics would be grassy, vegetal, a uh, bit fruity, uh, earthy, and herbaceous. Like um, uh, I've always gotten like green bananas, you know, that slightly bright green, fresh cut grass, yep. green apples and pears, that kind of characteristic. It, it's delicious. Like um, the other interesting thing is um, sometimes these rums are aged, definitely, mm -hmm. and sometimes they're unaged uh, rums as well. So, um, for example, in uh, from Brazil, you get cassacha, which mm -hmm. is made from sugarcane uh, juice as well. Yeah. Um, uh, little few uh, different qu um, flavors uh, which come through a cassacha. But um, mainly they use it in making cocktails. Uh, if you have come across a Caipirinha, which is yep. absolutely uh, delicious. Um, muddle lime. Well, you can, you cannot. It's up to you totally. But the, the classic way sometimes what I've learned as a bartender. Muddle lime and muddle sugar. Lime, sugar yeah. Crushed ice and just throw in a bunch of cassasha. Um, it is an incredible drink. It, I absolutely love it. And there are all these incredible rum cocktails around the world, from, from around the world. And like we mentioned in the, that, that 60 second history, the, the tiki culture that formed in the 1950s yeah. in the United States with um, all of these incredible figures, but the, the rum culture there really drove that cocktail concept. So are there any uh, cocktails that people should be looking out for that they might not have heard Ooh. of before? Um, there's, there's with tiki, it's never ending. It, there's um, it's, so many. We've got this book here, which is <laughs> Sip and Safari by Jeff Berry, nice. which is still one of the best tiki cocktail books ever written. Um, and there's some, it's, it is an enormous book. And he recently did a 10th anniversary edition, which he, he added another 50 or so cocktails <laughs> to. Nice. See, um, the thing with uh, tiki cocktails is, again, there's no right or wrong, right? Yeah. Like at all. Um, it just involves a lot of uh, in different ingredients. So, for example, the classic cocktail, if you look at any classic rum cocktail, for example, let's take a daiquiri. It's made with three ingredients, rum, lime, sugar, and you ha it's happy days. But then you go to oh. the Mai Tai or the Jungle <laughs> Bird. Exactly. Um, and there's a little bit more interesting uh, tiki cocktails. Um, uh, for example, a fork cutter, if yep. you want to consider it a tiki. Um, there's about, you know, eight, nine, ten ingredients in it. Uh, the fun part about tiki cocktail bars nowadays is each and every ingredient, what they throw in, actually makes sense. It does. And they, these cocktails were made, you know, they were designed between the 50s and the 70s for the most of them. Um, and most of these were also blending different kinds of rum together to create that component. So, for example, we've got... Just here, I just opened a page in this book and it's a, a rum julep. And it's a combination of Demerara rum from Demerara and Jamaican rum. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, all of these other ingredients. It's got fresh lime juice, orange juice, honey mix, grenadine, falernum, <laughs> which is a nut sir uh, syrup, basically, an almond syrup. Almond syrup. Uh, pimento dram, which is an allspice dram. Allspice. And then bitters and ice. And it's just this <laughs> massive cocktail to put together. Yeah, um, another tiki bar um, 
if you heard about Martin, um, so he's got a, a bar called Smuggler's Cove. Yep. And uh, he's written a book along with his partner. Um, and it is one of the famous tiki bars ever. Uh, if you ever do come across it, um, I would highly suggest getting getting on. Which it. city is it again? Um, Smuggler's Cove um, is it one of the famous tiki bars, which is um, in San Francisco, yeah. and um, it's a one of the best bars, for, hands down. Uh, Martin Kate and Rebecca Kate are the owners of this bar, and um, they've also written a uh, tiki cocktail book. Uh, it's got some of the best recipes ever. And I was very lucky to um, have a conversation with Martin, and um, I got the opportunity to host him uh, across Asia. Really? So, yeah, that would did, have been incredible. Oh, it was an amazing chat, and it involved a lot of uh, rum. <laughs> <laughs> it always does. Now, um, are there any particular favorite drinks of yours? So we've kind of gone through a little bit of the history there, but are there favorite drinks of yours that people should look out for or ask for in bars? Um, yeah, definitely. Is it like um, in terms of tiki or uh, just, just in general? Rum? Yeah. Man, like um, I know this is a bit cliche, but a mojito is probably one of the all-time favorites. It's you... a, spe- it, a well-made mojito yeah. is incredible. And when I say well-made, it's <laughs> got to be well-made. There, yeah. there is a difference, right? Totally. you got to get the recipe right. Ma- majority of the time, you don't want it to be too over-diluted or too, yeah. sh- too much sugar or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, like especially, you know, uh, across Australia, there's like some of the best amazing bars you, you could ever go into. A Lobo um, in Sydney oh is one of my, my favorite bars. They they do incredible rum drinks and always have incredible rum as well. Yeah. And then yeah, there's just great rum bars all around the world, really. Let's be honest. It it is it's highly <laughs> prized and celebrated around the world as a cocktail component, but leading the charge in great bars and really exciting things. Totally. Um you know, uh, like I said, with my with the role I have um I was very, very lucky to go to some of the best bars. Um, you know, the cocktails, the service, the hospitality is just amazing everywhere you go. Um, and um, whenever you travel around Melbourne, Sydney, uh, some of, you know, some of these new uh, modern cocktails with rum you get as well, it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. It is a really interesting industry at the moment because bartenders are obsessed with rum, especially, you know, we all love rums like Ray and Nephew, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, which Ray and Nephew is a, a white rum that technically wasn't imported into Australia until very recently. That's right. Because it was under two years old. That's correct. So uh, Ray, and, Ray and Nephew is an uh, overproof, um, uh, overproof rum. Um, it's from Jamaica. It's from Jamaica. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, but it's unaged. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's about 64. 63 to 65%. 65% ABV, it's quite high. So um, most 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 of the time you use it in tiki cocktails. It just yeah. gives it that really nice oomph that, you yeah. know, if you want to light cocktails and fire and zombies, th- and, <laughs> zombies and <laughs> things like this. But um, to be very honest, it's a super, super delicious rum. <laughs> I actually do enjoy it a lot. One of my closest friends, Julian, he and I, whenever we're together, we just, we drink Ray and Nephew. <laughs> That's what we drink. And... Much to our own detriment as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I enjoy it when I want to start writing, um, you know, a few stories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it, we mentioned the zombie, which is a famous tiki cocktail. Numbs the mind. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, to the point that it's got this story that uh, the bar that created it would only let you have one. You were only ever allowed to have one of them. If you had two, they sent you home. Yeah. Or you would turn into a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> And it's famous for having what uh, I think it's five shots of spirit within it. Uh, it's quite a few different rums, yeah. um, a bunch of juices. Um, I, I think some recipes call for uh, passion fruit yeah. as well, uh, but mainly it's ignited using a sugar cube <laughs> in sugar a lime husk and and some absinthe as well. Yeah, correct. <laughs> it is a very very famous uh, cocktail. So the zombie that was created originally in 1956 by Don the Beachcomber in Waikiki mm-hmm. was uh, one and a half shots of Puerto Rican rum, one shot of dark Jamaican rum, one shot of 151-proof Demerara rum, maraschino liqueur, pineapple juice, lime juice, grapefruit juice, uh, almond syrup again, grenadine, 
bitters, and then absinthe. No, Massive I, drink. Yeah, I think that's a perfect name for a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those drinks that I just absolutely love ordering in, in bars because a good zombie is, again, one of those drinks that when it's done well, it is spectacular. Totally. Um, um, I think also... Um, when you finish your shift, yeah. Um, as bartenders, we know how you know late night shifts. Um, funnily, it doesn't turn me into a zombie after one. It wakes me up. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's, because it's of that. Thing up, right? It's the adrenaline you get. It's incredible. Also, the sugars and the fruit juice. It's delicious and nutritious. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pineapple juice. I would yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the best zombies I've ever had was at Black Pearl uh, uh, here oh, in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, one of the best cocktail bars in the world still to this day after almost, what, 25 years, I think? Yeah, I think they celebrated the 20-plus um, anniversary recently. And they're I about to, I think they're about to have their 25th birthday, which is oh exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's an amazing lady and the team at Black Pearl is... And they've the thrown best. out some of the best bartenders globally, as we both know, because we're good friends <laughs> with quite a few of them. <laughs> Uh, most of the old crew from Blackpool have their own bars and mm-hmm. they're hands down some of the best. You've got uh, the, uh, the boys Rob and uh, Matt Sterling from Caretaker's, Caretakers Cottage. Cottage. And you've got, uh, well, Fred Siggins, who uh, works with me now, is one of the, he's a great journalist but has forgotten more about alcohol than I'll ever know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Nathan Beasley. Nathan I Beasley. love that guy. Um, he is one of the best bartenders I've come across. Um, his brother, Ruben, um, yeah. he's down in Botswana Butchery and yeah. great guys, man. Honestly. Yeah. It's, it's, and you've also got, uh, uh, Chelsea, Chelsea, Catherine. Chelsea. Well. Yeah. I had the pleasure to work with, uh, Chelsea and she's probably, uh, one of the best uh, bartenders, uh, very creative. Yeah, uh, her mind keeps racing a um, hundred miles, just coming up with some of the best cocktails I've ever had. And their current team as well with Oshin and yeah, and well Ben, who's now up in Sydney, and it's just it, it's a bar that has stood the test of time. Shea globally <laughs> as a whole, yeah, Shea as well, and globally has stood the test of time. So, and they're absolutely smashing it. But they do make the best zombie, in my opinion. Well, one of the best zombies I've ever had. I've had a few. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, one of the best rum cocktails um, I've had there was a old-fashioned, which was uh, made with mezcal. So it had the sweetness of the rum, the smokiness from the mezcal, uh, chocolate bitters, and an orange twist. It was really complex. Very complex, very rich. Um, it, it, it took me a while to kind of... Um, see what's going on because I didn't really know what was in the drink. Yeah. And I couldn't really tell if it was based off a mezcal. Or, and then when they told me it was a blend, I was like, this is just spectacular. That uh, sounds very exciting. I might actually try and play around with that myself. That yeah. sounds... I'm getting really... thirsty talking about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any rum companies globally that you think we should be looking out for? Oh, there's um, quite a few. Um, um, I would highly recommend... Some of the Spanish style of rums are definitely, I would suggest starting with Spanish yeah. style rums just because they're easier and lighter. So um, for example, as, like, like Dicl- Diplomatico, and I'll say it so you don't have to, <laughs> like Diplomatico. I think I've said that uh, <laughs> in company's name enough. I don't think I'll say it again. But, yeah. um, um, you, you know, even um, some Demararan rums like, um, look, El Dorado is great. Nicaraguan rums like Flodicania. Flodicania yeah. is, is great as well, yeah. Delicious stuff. Um, Long Pond uh, Distillery, Foursquare. Yeah, um, Foursquare, they, they make great rum as well. Yeah. And uh, then once you start to break it down, you also get to see all the, these incredible independent bottlings of rum. And most of those are happening, funnily enough, from whiskey independent bottlers. Yeah, that's correct. Um, especially because uh, most of the rum distilleries love to use uh, different type of casks. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at a um, rum, which is aged, um, it all happens or matured in a cask, which is yeah. a wooden barrel. Now, uh, traditionally, uh, rum barrels were um, ex-bourbon barrels, which, you know, um, they used to age rum in ex-bourbon barrels because they're available yep. um, a lot in, in, in the whiskey industry. Um, but now they started playing with, you know, 
New Oak, uh, there's French Oak, there's Sherry, sherry Cask. Casks, yeah. <laughs> um, a, any rum which is finished in a Sherry Cask is, I don't know, there's something about it. It's just chocolatey. Uh, it's got that coffee character, some subtle spice notes, and it's simply delicious. Well, yeah, those independent bottlings from the whiskey industry that we're starting to see from the rum industry. So, for example, what we're tasting here, which is from a German independent bottler called Liquid Treasures, but this is a single cask of Mauritian rum, which is in that French style, right? French so style, fresh yeah. sugar cane fresh juice, sugar juice yeah. but it's matured for 10 years in an ex-bourbon barrel. Actually, no, it's not. It's not. It's matured in a refill sherry butt. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That is incredible. That Which means that it was a 500 litre barrel. 353 bottles came out of that barrel. Wow. It's nothing. That's, yeah. Um, that's another thing, like the angel's share, right? Um, especially when a rum is aged. In some of these um, humid places. Humid uh, hot. Hot. The angels are thirsty, man. Yeah. They, they want to party too, right? So the evap... Angel share is basically the evaporation rate um, of how much alcohol or water evaporates from the barrel every year. So to give you a rough idea, uh, most of the rum uh, producers are, um, are in um, climates which are usually hot uh, because that's yeah. where sugarcane uh, grows abundantly, right? So um, there's about nine, uh, 8 to 9% of angel share every year. Uh, so, for example, let's say a rum is being aged for 12 years. There's about 65% cask liquid which evaporates. Um, in the whiskey industry, it's usually on a cooler climate. There's yeah. about 2 to 3% um, angel share. Um, so, the highest angel the, share in Scotland is 5%. Five, okay. Which is ridiculously low. That, that, that is fairly low. But also, it's still high as well because, you know, if you calculate the amount um, of how long the spirit has to age, mm -hmm. you, it, there's, more, there's more liquid which is evaporating every time. I get asked questions, oh, how long do you think a rum can be aged for? Th there is no specific answer to that because some rums, if they age for two, three years, it'll do the trick. Mm -hmm. Some rums which are aged for 20, 21 years, yes, they'll do the trick. But if you leave them for, let's say, a long, long period of time, end of the day, you'll all you'll be tasting is oak. It's just wood. It's also, um, yeah, you, you run the risk of running out of liquid that's just going to evaporate over that period of time. And we've both had the, the luck to taste 20, 30, 40-year-old rums, right? <laughs> we've, we've been in that position. Now, more often than not, they're not that great. They can be, but they're very rarely that exciting. Yeah, um, some rums are definitely delicious. Like if you take... Eldorado, Appleton, mm -hmm. some of them, they're super tasty. Um, the got enough spirit character to, to hold up. Totally. Um, I've tasted some rums which, you know, 35 or whatever. It's like, man, this is just oak. Mm -hmm. I, I, all I taste is wood. And the other other thing, like you would know, is um, Solera rum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, sometimes you would see a number on a bottle. Yeah. Um, and you would think, oh, that rum must be aged for those many years. That's actually not right. Uh, what, what was it? Florida Kanye 7 or Florida Kanye 8, I think it was. Um, I, 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 I can't be 100% on this. When I spoke to the BEA from Florida Kanye, it's actually aged for that long. But when it, it says say seven, seven years. years. It doesn't say yeah. seven years. It just says Florida Kanye 7. Seven, yeah. There's a special number 23 as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. Cent uh, Centenario 20, the 23. I don't know if I can call out any brands. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Um, so w what I would probably suggest is um, uh, when when you pick in a bottle of uh, rum, I would just say read the labels. Uh, yep. Just make sure it says, um, you know, it's five years aged. Um, you would sometimes come across the um, stills it's in. Uh, sometimes it's a blend of certain stills. Um, if it's a spice drum, um, yeah, just just do a bunch of research, read the bottle, you'll know exactly what you're buying. Actually, that's a really good point. So we haven't really mentioned spice rum too much, but it is a pretty broad category as well in its own. It's effectively a rum liqueur if you're... That's right. I would agree. <laughs> in a way, it down. in a way, yeah. yeah. So what is spice rum? So um, first thing with spice rum, um, it's a rum. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's well, the category of rum has no rules and regulations, but with spice rum, it's a little bit more 
uh, less, I would say. Yeah. So um, say, for example, you have a spice rum, you are kind of getting rum from a certain region. Uh, let's say you're getting it from Barbados or whatever, um, Caribbean. It could be from anywhere. Yeah. Um, you get it, um, you can make your own recipe of spice rum. So say you add in some cinnamon, uh, you put in some sugar, orange you had some peels. vanilla, orange peels. You can just categorize it as your own spice rum. Um, the reason, there's no nothing wrong about it at no, all. No, not at you all. Know? Uh, the, the reason some of the rum producers look down on it is only because it's got from, it's it, it, the process is way easier because you're not making it in your distillery per se yeah you're getting it from a certain distillery and just making it in your own way how you want it you're flavoring um, it you're flavoring it exactly yeah. so um, the effort what a proper rum distiller uh, puts in in making his rum is totally different to yeah. a spice rum if you basically if you're wanting to taste the 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 flavors of the raw spirit itself and the, the sugar cane and where it's come from and who it's made by you want to go for something that's maybe not a spice rum but Spice rum is just a great drink to. to oh, it totally, it tastes. It tastes great. Yeah. and, and um, it's um, cheap enough to get, and uh, it, it's a party drink. You know, you just want to have a little barbecue party. You get in mm -hmm. a bottle of spice, throw in some coke, some ginger beer. You're good to go. Especially with that sugar that's in there, it's a bit sweeter. It's a bit richer. It gives you the you know energy, energy the excitement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of lime, it's good. Yeah, it's always, it always, is always a great time to to drink some spiced rum, but it is it's. It's a, a flavored rum, effectively, a, a rum liqueur, if you're very honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, some of the spice rums tend to have color added as well. Yep. So uh, usually you add a bit of caramel. Yeah. Um, there's two types of caramel. There's one which actually affects the flavor of the rum itself. There's one uh, which only gives color and no flavor. Yeah. So these are some things you might want to keep in mind because uh, there's some spice rum which look ex like extremely dark. Um, Kraken is a great example yeah, of that. Kraken. Uh, you got um, uh, Karuba. Yep, Karuba uh, is a great one as well. Oh, there was another famous one that slipped my head. Um, Black Heart. Black Heart, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, these rums, you know, you, you top it up with Coke and the amount of... Uh, the froth, you would mm. say, uh, it's just the sugars. It's the sugars meeting the carbon dioxide that's in the, the and the acids that are in the Coca-Cola. Totally. And the caramel and yeah. everything, yeah. And it is it is a great category. People love it around the world. That's mm -hmm. why they keep making new ones. There's yeah. so much. Yeah. It, it is delicious, i got to say. <laughs> it is. And we're starting to see, well, obviously we're, we're here in Australia, so we've seen the relationship with Australians and rum is quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So our famous rum is Bundaberg, yeah. which people love or hate. Yeah. People who hate it, absolutely hate it. The people <laughs> who love it, absolutely love it. And that's it, right? Yeah. It's a dichotomy. But you've got also all this new resurgence of rum distilleries around Australia producing some incredible stuff like Lord Byron up in Byron Bay. Their white rum is like rain, nephew. It, it, it is it's, spectacular. It's good. Yeah. And then you've got... Uh, husk, which are making an agricole style, yes. and you've got uh, the guys at uh, Red Gum Ridge, I think it's called, yeah. uh, up in. It's actually near Bundaberg as well. Yeah. And they're making an agricole style as yeah. well. Yeah, but all of these are also making spice drums. Yep, because there's a market for spice drums. Absolutely. You know? So we can also have a look at those products and yeah. and use them and make drinks with them. The the white rum from Lord Byron would be a great one to make a mojito or a daiquiri with. Totally. Um, uh, Archie Rose, uh, there's Jimmy's rum in Mornington. Absolutely, they, yeah. They make some really delicious rum. Um, Bricks. Bricks as well, yeah. Bricks in Sydney. Yeah. Um, I visited the distillery. Amazing guys. I'll highly recommend whoever goes down there. When they first opened, I went up for, for Sydney Bar Week and spent the time up there and went to the distillery and you know, went through all their processes, talked about their molasses, their blackstrap that they were using and... Then also the the sugar cane that they were fresh pressing for juice as well. Yeah, um, that's another interesting topic you came up with, uh, which is black blackstrap. Yeah. Um, so with molasses, right? There's a lot of categories when it comes to molasses, from the very lightest to the to deepest the darkest. darkest. Yeah. Uh, the best one they would say is uh, sugar cane honey. In yep. all in all res in reality, it's a marketing term, but what it is is a molasses which has 
the most amount of sugar present mm-hmm. in it. So if you taste it, it's going to be uh, very sweet and floral. Mm-hmm. And then you have categories, molasses A, B, C, and then it goes all the way to blackstrap. So if you taste a blackstrap molasses, it's going to be bitter and oaky. Yeah, it's dark. <laughs> it's, dense. it's where they've reduced it so far to get more the more crystalline sugar. sugars out of, out of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably one of the last ty- type of molasses you would possibly get because yeah. uh, you're literally extracting all the sugar you wanted to already. Uh, but it just gives a different flavor profile to your rum. There's also, there are fermentable components within it, fermentable sugars within yeah. it, but they just are so hard to extract <laughs> at that point. They're just, they're stuck. They're, yeah. that's, they're, that's what they are. Yeah. You'd probably need a lot of heat yeah. um, and a pretty good ferment for extracting it. Yeah, and it's really tough to get that. But a lot of uh, distillers will use a blend of these different molasses yeah. to create their flavor profile for their fermentation. Yeah, um, the, the most of the flavor comes from obviously the raw product, which is uh, molasses and um, the yeast. Yeah. Uh, I would consider yeast as a tea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Different yeasts you use. There's uh, distiller's yeast, there's baker's yeast. Um, they, it, it's just the way it reacts with the... Um, molasses and just the type of flavor components you would achieve from it. Yeah. And the longer you leave the yeast, different type of flavor components. Because you've also got other bacterial things happening as well. And fermentation is such a broad topic and we could talk about it for hours, (laughs) especially when it comes to rum because each producer will do their own individual thing. Correct. Use their own yeast train. And then we talked about dunder pits just before where that will add a different component as well, where it is a more uh, what you would call, I guess, a wild culture, mixed culture or a spontaneous culture um, to change that that flavor profile. And it is, does drive something in a certain way, but it is the raw product that really, that's why we don't make rum from fruit yeah. or <laughs> grain. We make it from sugar. From sugar, yeah. And it's water. Um, yeah. That's one of the main ingredients we forget. Um some distilleries have spring water, which is probably the purest form you could possibly mm-hmm. get. Um, some distilleries use um, UV filters. Uh, it's basically reverse osmosis where you yeah. want, just want to purify the water as much as possible. Um, get rid of the chlorine. Chlorine is the worst when you want to... Chlorine and iron, iron. they're the two, <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to get rid of it as much as uh, possible. And um, um, especially in Australia, like, you know, you get some of the best tap tap water mm-hmm. um and uh, i know a lot of distilleries which use tap water and um they just have uv filters and you get the purest form um but uh, one thing i really like is when you visit distillery and they show you where they source their water from and it's from a spring right next to the distillery yeah it cannot get better than that <laughs> exactly and they've been doing that for for generations you know it is it is one of those things that uh, rum producers have been doing it for hundreds of years in that spot, they've not changed. You would usually usually um, base your distillery next to where you can obtain spring water mm-hmm. because you know because there's sugarcane everywhere in these parts <laughs> of the world, absolutely everywhere, and that's not a, that's not an issue. It's where the water comes water from. Water source comes from. Yeah, uh, some of them source from uh, national parks, um, wherever there's like mountains and mm-hmm. hills, and you know the purest. Um, so, uh, New Zealand is another example. Yeah. Uh, the freshest water man like it, uh, it's great it's uh, incredible and some of these uh beautiful islands because the the caribbean they're mostly volcanic islands as well you know they're beautiful volcanic soils which are great for growing sugarcane but they're also great for spring water as well yeah um um whenever you go uh, wherever in S- S- south america especially mm. um yeah it's just wherever you look at it, it's like waterfalls and uh, everywhere parks is <laughs> is the best for sure. Now I think we might finish up there. I've got four final questions which, yeah. which we ask everyone. All right. Now I just want very quick, simple answers. Okay. What was the first drink you ever had? Sorry, uh, so cocktail or uh, <laughs> first drink you ever had? Uh, first, first alcoholic rum and coke. You ever had rum and coke? Do you remember which rum? Karuba. Karuba. <laughs> <laughs> I was 18. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the last drink you had that you really enjoyed? Uh, it was probably the um, uh, mezcal old-fashioned. Yeah. Uh, it's really yeah, sat in there, it, hasn't it? Yeah, I couldn't forget it. <laughs> what do you normally drink when you finish work? Um, rum straight. 
rum straight. Yeah, or I enjoy a good uh, gin and tonic, I ought to say. Yeah, it's something refreshing at the end of the day, right? And then finally, often called the bartender's handshake, Fernet Brunker. Ooh. Do you actually enjoy it or do you just tell people you do? Um, in the beginning when I first tried it, starting off of a, as a bartender, um, um, I, I got to admit, I was like, what the dash is this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then as I got used to it, you know, as you start developing this um, uh, palate where you like start liking bitter, yeah. uh, sweet, bitter drinks. Um, and then, then uh, when I went to a bar, um, I think it was at White Heart Bar, and uh, they gave me Fernet off the uh, from from a f- a ch- frozen chiller, like yeah. like a freezer. It was the best thing I've ever had. Yeah. And um, once you mix it with Coke and lime, and yeah, it's great. It is. I, I enjoy it now. I got to say, yeah. the Fernet and Coke is great, but it's yeah. challenging. It is the it. first time you drink it. I'm like, no, what is this? You know. Um, yeah. But then. Um, a few editions like a hanky panky for example one yeah. of the best cocktails uh, a few few uh, drops would take it a long way but it does it's a great thing to use sparingly sometimes yeah, for sure and then uh, you got the branca menta as well yeah oh man it's it is it is a great <laughs> liqueur I'm, I'm glad there's a lot of people who find it very challenging and just absolutely hate it and will hate it till the day they die it's certainly certain people love it it's like campari too yeah yeah, yeah. I Absolutely. love Campari, no? Like I've been drinking one of my other favorite cocktails is Negroni, man, i got to say. It's, yeah, it's a so fantastic good. drink. And, you know, I can't remember what the name of, of it is, which is the, the rum variant of a Negroni is... Uh, a right hand. A right hand, yeah, thank so you. So it's uh, rum, Campari, sweet vermouth with a couple of drops of chocolate bitters. Yeah. Orange twist. Ooh, spectacular so drink. Good. Absolutely spectacular drink. Well, thank you so much for nah, joining me today. Thank you it's for having me. It's so good to see you. Uh, likewise. Uh, we we got to catch up a bit more often. Got to come drop into Whiskey and Ham and man, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're one of the best ever. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Anyway, so good to see you and awesome. hopefully we'll catch up soon. For sure. Thanks again for having me. Had Cheers. a great time and thanks for the rum. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Spirited Discussions. I hope you had as much fun as I have and have been able to take away something you didn't know. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share with your friends and please join me next time on Spirited Discussions. Mm -hmm.